Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, we're on to episode two. We got the first jitters of the first episode out of the way. We really hope you enjoyed it. Mega episode is literally the only way that you could put it. We got through so much content, the full 2022-2023 schedule preview. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure to do that right now. How'd you feel after the first one, Pat? How'd you feel we did? Shaking off the rust, you know? It's been a yeah. little while since we recorded, but it was really exciting to uh, to get back into things. Of course, a lot of fun to go through the entire schedule and try and give an overview uh, of each of those opponents. As you can tell, it is a packed schedule for Villanova this year. The Big East is going to be very, very strong. There are some fun home games packed throughout it at Wells Fargo, as well as the Finneran Pavilion. Uh, it's just a packed year uh, with year with yeah. uh, some big ramifications, of course, with the changes coming to the program that we'll discuss in a second here. So really pumped to to kick things off. Yeah, and I actually I'm just to give it this right now instead of saying it on the pod from Tuesday. But it's also really nice that this is the first season in two years now where we won't have any COVID concerns, knock on wood, obviously. But there were still some issues and a lot of teams dealt with COVID pauses, COVID cancellations. A team like UCLA had so much inconsistency last year having to stop the program for, I believe it was over a month. So it'll be nice to have pretty much a clean slate this year. All the games will happen. Villanova didn't get to play Temple last year because of that. So with everything, it's nice that COVID isn't really in the back of our minds anymore. Yeah, and similar for the preparation, you know, over the summer as well. Uh, there, yeah. there weren't as many restrictions in place. Um, so this should be as close to a normal college basketball season, knock on wood, as you said, yeah. um, as we've gotten over the last couple of years. It's nice to just say normal instead of back to normal. Back to normal <laughs> was the only thing anyone said for about two years. Let's try and put that one on the back burner for a little bit after yeah, how right? much use that you got. <laughs> a break from the world with the word normal okay so as we mentioned on tuesday that was the schedule preview today will be the team preview and i'm hoping that this episode does really well and pat and i can really knock this one out of the park because we know that this is what everyone is talking about and this is what people are hoping for as villanova faces lasalle in just four days on monday night so we'll have an awesome first recap of the season on tuesday after that episode but today will be all about the team. We'll go through each guy from the freshman to the graduate seniors. We'll talk about the new coach. We'll talk expectations, projected starting five. We've got a bunch of listener questions. Thank you so much to all the people who answered our mailbag. So we're going to make this as 
casual and fun and also as uh, educational as possible as we talk all the questions that you might have about this 2022-2023 roster that will have a lot more new faces than it did last year and also a lot more holes than it did last year. Uh, certainly. So you want to start with the the new man at the top before we get into well, the roster? I think that's probably most appropriate. Yeah, I think you, that's you, where you, you start with have Kyle Neptune. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so Villanova here, you may have heard uh, things are a little different. Of course, Jay Wright retires back in April after 21 years, 520 wins, many, many other accomplishments, but we could just spotlight two national titles as well. In comes Kyle Neptune, where he had stints as a video coordinator at Villanova, an assistant at Niagara, back to an assistant at Nova before that one year as a head coach at Fordham, able to get them to a much more respectable record than Fordham had seen over the past couple years. For me, the question is, what do you want to see from Neptune mm. in year one? We know that there is a layer of stability that comes with him coming in being that he has the history with Villanova as a video assistant and as an assistant coach on a staff that won a national championship. It's been to final fours. We know that the entire coaching staff is coming back a feat that still really surprises me when you lose a head coach like that for all of the assistants to stay together, which is awesome in terms of stability. But I also would like to see a couple things change. And I'm very interested if Neptune will implement them and if you will implement them early. So interested to get your thoughts first, and then I can happily go from there too. Yeah, I also forgot to mention a little bit about the landscape of this episode. Instead of just listing off stats about this guy, I think we're going to take it as the big questions. We'll talk about the guy, what the guy did last year or his high school stats for some of the freshmen, obviously. And then we're really just going to go back and forth about what it means for this year. So that's the perfect setup for Neptune. I have very similar questions. And the first one that comes to mind is the chicken or the egg about Jay Wright. And I believe it was it was Dana O'Neill who asked that first, but it's something everybody's talking about. Is Villanova the way it is? That It's one of the successful blue blood programs. I'm confidently calling it a blue blood of college basketball because of Jay Wright? Or did Jay, or was Villanova itself and has it made itself regardless of Jay Wright? I personally believe that the values like attitude and experience matters and unselfishness basketball will stay regardless of who the coach is and it just so happens that Neptune is pretty much as embedded in this program as anybody else can say as a coach who has even come close to Villanova basketball so I think as cliche as this is everything will stay the same that's possible to stay the same with a new coach all the recruit all the recruit you mentioned the coaching staff all the recruits stayed as well. That is a huge testament to Neptune. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even go into the fact that he also recruited the majority of the roster that was already on this team. So relationships is a huge deal in this program. And he's maintaining those by coming by seamlessly transitioning back to this program. I also think it's really hard to imagine and wrap your head around Jay Wright's exit and how sudden it was. And if you've read anything about it, you know that it actually wasn't as sudden for Jay and uh, the AD, Mark Jackson, and their their respective wives. But that was pretty much the core group. So for Kyle Nepton to not have any idea, and for the summer and the recruiting class and the coaching staff to stay as intact as it has is really, really important. And I think shows how much respect Neptune already has within the program. 
Oh, for sure. As you talk about Villanova and kind of the continuation there, I think a lot of the infrastructure is in place and it is in place mm-hmm. because of Jay and his reign. You know, think of how nice the Davis Center has turned into. We know the Finneran Pavilion. Sure. Villanova has become stronger in the recruiting class or the recruiting trail. Uh, recently, they just established a new uh, NIL um, friends of Villanova uh, with Ashley Howard, which, which is great as, as Villanova gets a little further into NIL and this new era of college basketball here. So the, the stability is there with Neptune coming in mm-hmm. that I think allows for him to hit the ground running more than a lot of other coaches do that come in in year one, where half their roster enters the transfer portal. They're coming off of some sort of, you know, poor season, which led to the uh, the coach being fired. Villanova just came from a final four. So there are a lot yeah. of different aspects here that play into Kyle's favor that I think can set him up for a more successful year one than you can normally see from coaches. What I'm watching for is, listen, we we know how great Jay Wright was, of course, but there are some things that would be nice to see change. Does mm-hmm. Villanova play at a little bit of a higher tempo with, with Neptune uh, at the helm? How does the rotation change? Will the rotation go a little bit deeper with Neptune in charge? Are we going to see more of a leash on the freshmen and, and the younger players in this program, or will it still be a heavy burden on some of those older guys. Those are some questions that I want to see answered. It won't necessarily be answered in the first week or two of the season. As we know, a lot of guys, even under Jay would get minutes early on, but as we get closer and closer into Biggie's play, very intriguing to see how things start to play out. Yeah. I had those same exact questions. And I think those are the ones, especially after how drastic it was last year, watching experience went out will be the big things to watch. And, just a quick thought on the the other parts of Neptune's background and Villanova and all that. You also can't help but draw parallels to John Shire taking over for Coach K at Duke and Hubert Davis taking over for Roy Williams at UNC and how seamless those transitions also were for those programs. So it really just has to do with the reputation and the standing of the school beforehand, but that doesn't make the transition for the coach himself any easier. Hubert Davis made it look just about as easy as it could possibly be by taking his team to the national championship. (laughs) And that has a lot to do with the roster and also his style of play. I don't think expectations should or will be that high for Neptune in year one, more so because of the roster. But it's just interesting to think if expectations are too high, too low, or exactly right for Nova in year one and I think you mentioned um unknowns I think you you said something a little ominous at the end of last episode about the unknowns for this Villanova team and I think Mm -hmm. you might have lower expectations than I do but you can correct me if I'm wrong obviously I just think the unknown is more so in how the freshmen will play and when Justin Moore will return from that Achilles injury rather than whether or not Neptune is capable of being a successful coach in this program, because Villanova especially doesn't have a lot of unsuccessful coaches. It'll just be about how much his style changes from what Wright did. And that also might just be dependent on the roster. Is he going to play Longino over Archie Diacono because Longino is just better or because he wants to play the freshman? It'll just be a lot of, uh, decisions like that that unfortunately we can't up and ask him because he will never hmm. 
say something bad about Jay Wright, which will get frustrating people. I know it for a fact. He will defend Jay Wright to his dying day, as he should. But that's what I think. I think it's more so in the decisions he'll make on the floor as opposed to whether or not he can actually do the X's and O's as a good coach. I, I trust Kyle Neptune here coming in mm-hmm. on year one. I think you're going to see some growing pains because you have to see some growing pains from a coach that's in his second year as a head coach in his first at a program such as Villanova. And I, I believe that's expected. However, I believe he most certainly has the ability to grow into a coach that can take Villanova, you know, to the levels where, where they've been at. So I, I, I have the utmost faith in Neptune. It's just, it's hard to uh, fully put it down on on day one and say, I know I'm going to see it as a fully established product when it just, it it hasn't been there yet. And then the other part of the unknowns, which is where we can get into now, is that elephant in the room is that Villanova has to find a way to replace the production from Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels. You know, two players that have completely been a, a focal point of this program's DNA over the last couple years. And it, to ask some guys, especially with Justin Moore, we know missing time with the Achilles to fill in for them. It's a huge, huge ask. Um, and uh, I think that's where a lot of the intrigue comes in for this season. It would have been a huge ask if Jay Wright was still there. Yep. That's that's another thing. And I also, really, really quickly, do you think when teams see Villanova on their schedule early on in the season, they're having some of the conversations that we had on Tuesday about oh, good, we're getting Villanova at a good time because they're still going to be going through growing pains at this point of the season? Or do you think Villanova still garners that same type of, uh, I don't even know what the word is, fear, I guess, mm-hmm. even though it's Neptune instead of Jay Wright early on? What do you think? Uh, there's still plenty of talent on this yeah. roster. So I, I think teams have to keep, keep that into account. But I also believe early on, you know, Villanova is going to try and find themselves. They, they need a new primary ball handler. They need to see yeah. how some of these new rotations work. And that takes a little bit of time to work out. Obviously, they've had the summer to do it. Obviously, they've had some secret scrimmages uh, or not so secret scrimmages uh, <laughs> lately as well to, to work on that. But I do think this Villanova team you see early uh, is not going to be the same product we see as we move into January when a few more things are going to be able to get figured out and you have more of a complete picture in terms of the roster with a Justin Moore and a Cam Whitmore added to the fold. Yeah, fully healthy, 100%. I feel the same way. So yeah, going back to, to Colin and, and Jermaine, I, I think we mentioned this when in the Jay, Ryan, Jay Wright retirement episode. It's actually really fitting. I don't know who knows if how much of a factor this played into his decision but that he went out with Gillespie and Samuels the first five-year seniors he'd ever had and really the DNA of this program for so long everybody made jokes about how long Colin was in this program and it's true but the strides he made from a freshman to a fifth-year senior bringing the team learning under Brunson winning the national title and then nearly bringing this team to another one in his final season it's storybook it really is storybook. And then for Jay Wright to ride it out with them this year, they don't have the luxury of a plethora of seniors and leadership that they had last year, but they do have the luxury of depth. And I think if anybody who watched last year could point to one reason why Villanova did not win the national championship, I think, think the majority of people would say depth and maybe without a, without any hesitation 
So Neptune is already coming in with an advantage because he just has more guys to work with. Those guys might not be as talented or as reliable as Khan and Germain were, but they can also be molded a little bit more because they're young and because they'll be able to work through mistakes at the beginning of the season. Yes, this non-conference schedule has some formidable opponents on it, but there's a reason why it's not the same caliber as it was last year. So they're already easing into the season more than they would while also getting some tests. And I think you're right. I think we will see a radically different product on game one as opposed to game one of conference play. And yes, that is because of injuries, but it's also going to be a test for a lot of young guys. I hope we see a lot of experiments on the court and then we can see which experiments work and which guys are actually going to get the bulk of the minutes down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. And I, I just do want to point out that though, like um, Colin and, and Jermaine are gone, there still is a plethora of experience to fall back on yeah. in this team. There's just not more of like the mid-level players here. And I, when I say mid-level, I mean in years. I mean, Brandon Slater, this is year five at the program. Caleb Dano's year four. Justin Moore's a senior. Archie Diakono's a senior. Eric Dixon, this is year four at the program. So there are guys that have been ingrained in it. And then you add in the influx of, of freshmen and couple of the sophomores moving forward as well so i do think there's plenty for him to draw off of there and i think that's a good segue to get into the freshman oh yeah let's do it let's do it actually so, wait, wait really yeah. quick did you see uh gillespie tweeted when the Big East preseason teams came out because villanova didn't have any guys on the first team so i do think people are underrating those guys that you mentioned the daniels the slaters the dixons it, this team, they they lost their big stars, but that doesn't mean that the remaining guys won't take just as big of a leap as those two guys did going into their fifth year. The, the leap at Villanova is still alive and thriving, and I think it's going to happen again this year. There are high expectations for, for those guys, and uh, I certainly think they can meet them. All right, let's get into the freshman. Yes, we'll we'll start then with Brendan Housen coming in as a freshman, six foot four shooting guard coming out of Texas. He is heralded as an elite long range shooter from Amarillo High School, where he is their all time leading scorer for them. A an exciting get for Villanova, one that we weren't one hundred percent sure Nova was going to keep. He did open reopen his recruitment uh, when Jay Wright did retire. However, of course, Kyle Neptune was able to reel him back in. Also, the 21-22 Boys Athlete of the Year in the Texas Panhandle. A really intriguing prospect here. So the question I pose for Brendan Housen is, we hear about all the shooting and what he can lead. John Rothstein already tweeted out, zone breaker. Of course he did um, for him. You know, what else does you expect? Yeah, of course. What else would you expect? Um, will he crack the rotation? Yeah. So... Just to, to set the scene for these freshmen, this is going to be the first time that we see freshmen being relied upon since Jeremiah Robinson Earl, second mentioned in as many episodes. Just wanted to throw that out there. Of course. And Justin Moore in their freshman years. So it's been a while. It has been a while since true freshmen were relied upon more than Jordan Longino was relied upon last year, like potentially starters, potentially all Big East first team members. And I think Housen's really interesting to start with because he is the he is the the underdog of this recruiting class because of how much hype Mark Armstrong and Cam Whitmore are getting. 
But at media day, Kyle Neptune mentioned that Housing was one of the purest shooters they've had in this program. So I don't think people should be viewing Housing as the the third freshman. They should be viewing him as a legitimate threat to the loca- to the rotation because of how pure that shot is. For me, it's going to come down to ball handling. The the primary ball handler in Justin Moore's absence will be the biggest. I don't know if hole is the right word because we don't know how guys like Breezy and Armstrong and Daniels have come along, but it's the biggest question. The point guard, I think, is the biggest question in the rotation. And if Hausen can solidify himself, I think that's maybe the one weakness in his game is taking care of the ball and being able to facilitate on offense. If he can do that, that those responsibilities are at a premium on this team. Scoring won't be, but ball handling will be. So he has a legitimate shot to crack the roster if he can do that. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I do not think that he's going to be a primary ball handler. I I definitely think he's more of a two guard with with his skill. So I don't see him filling that role. When I look at Hausen and I look at all the other guys on this roster, I am immensely uh, excited for what he can bring shooting wise. Just yeah. as we get to more and more guys on this roster, my I wonder if Hausen is one of the odd men out in year one, just as he continues to develop defensively and, and tries to go to a more well-rounded game on top of the shooting. I still think there's potential we see him on the floor here, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if of the young players we see him the least. Yeah, I, I just, I hate the, the phrase odd man out because that doesn't mean that when he does play, he can't contribute. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there, there's still so much he can bring, but I agree with you. Villanova has always been positionless basketball, but it's even harder this year when you don't have that purebred point guard. Well, I guess Colin technically wasn't a purebred point guard, but he turned himself into one. Exactly. There, there isn't a guy that already fits that mold on this roster. So at first it'll be plugging holes, trying to find that guy. And I agree with you. There are proven shooters already in this team. Shooters won't really be a problem. I do think the identity of the team will change a little bit because there are more paint players, guys whose first priority is getting to the basket, and you can never have too many pure shooters like Housen. So though this, the landscape of this team might change just because you don't have insane shooters of the 2018 national, national title team, or even last year that I think was was a really good shooting team down the stretch. I think Housen's going to be able to get some shots up, at least in the beginning when they're experimenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my point is more, I don't think you're going to see a 12-man rotation. So some guys are going to have to be out. <laughs> and uh, Housen is one of the ones that I think yeah. lends more towards being that, though I do think he'll get some early season minutes. And we'll see. You know, maybe he proves it wrong and he lights it up and he's out there and he's a key member coming off the bench providing some scoring. That would be awesome. But yeah. And remember, this is just for year one. I think Brendan Housen is going to be able to turn into a very strong player for totally. Nova. I just, I wonder how much we see of him early on. Totally. All right. So let's switch to Mark Armstrong now. Mm-hmm. He is a four-star 6'2 recruit. He's listed at 160. Uh, I think frame is something we'll get into. So I wouldn't be surprised if that number goes up a little bit as the season goes on. Coach he's from He's from St. Peter's Prep, Jersey City, New Jersey represent love that him and cam whitmore were of course part of that fiba team that won gold i believe it was it was u18 or u19 uh u18 u18 team that played internationally so that was pretty cool 
Mark Armstrong, another one, another one of those guys who was underrated coming in because of Cam Whitmore's hype. But I, I don't, I don't know about you. I, I actually, when I put my projected starting five, I have one switch, and I actually included Armstrong in that switch. As in, it could go from this guy to this guy. More so because if Justin Moore is here, I don't think that happens. But he's going to be able to take advantage of Moore's absence in my mind. So uh, you kind of alluded to it, but Mark Armstrong is not getting the attention that he probably mm-hmm. deserves because Cam mm-hmm. Whitmore is coming in and Cam Whitmore is the most exciting villain over freshman coming in since Jalen Brunson. So uh, yeah. understandable for why that, but Mark Armstrong is a damn good player. Um, 61st ranked, according to ESPN coming in, averaged over 23 points, five boards and three assists as a senior. And as you said, there is a chance that he is a starter very very early on from watching armstrong at the fiba championships he is supremely athletic he is a very strong on-ball defender which coming in as a true freshman i believe will most certainly buy him minutes here at villanova i think we see an extended presence from mark armstrong in this rotation and he makes an impact early here um and as you said as villanova looks for a primary ball handler is he the purest point guard no but can he fill that role when they need a little bit of a, a change of pace. I certainly think so. I am very, very excited for Mark Armstrong, and I have high expectations for him. Yeah, I'm going through some of Villanova's uh, basketball. I'm, I'm sorry, defensive efficiencies on Kempom in the last few years, and it's been at its best, like low 20s, low 30s. In 2021, they were in the 60s. I wonder what the defense will look like this year, and if Neptune will have more versatility based on the players he has on that roster. When you had more explosive players like Antoine and Longino in last year, they were able to be more versatile on defense. But when you have a guy like Armstrong, it almost doesn't matter because I I think you can confidently say Brandon Slater will be drawing the toughest defensive assignment against opposing team stars. But Armstrong is a nice fail-safe. And I, I mentioned the frame – I think the only issue is whether he can transform into the type of post-up guard that's become the staple of Villanova. Daniels is now that guy this year. He's gotten so good at it. Colin, Jalen, Ryan, the list goes literally on and on all the way back to, I don't even know who, Scotty Reynolds, maybe even before him. So Shaq fit will be, again, alive and thriving. Second time I've said that. I think it'll be really important for him to continue to get stronger and get more comfortable in this Villanova program so he can start playing like the point guards before him, but also to stay true to himself and the talent he already has. He's explosive off the dribble. He can really keep up defensively, and that's going to help him. And that's those are the two biggest reasons why he's, in my mind, going to crack the rotation at some point. Buy stock now. I, I think right? it's going to be a big year for, for Mark Armstrong, and he's going to solidify himself as a, a big part of this program moving forward. I got to let you take Cam Whitmore almost in full because you might actually be more of a president of the Whitmore fan club than Justin Moore. Am, am I getting that right? I, no, Justin Moore is <laughs> is my king. Um, So please, but I, I love Justin. But yes, very, very excited for Cam Whitmore. I was actually at the uh, Blue and White All Access um, dinner from a year ago when he officially committed earlier that day, which was very exciting and very cool to be a part of the Villanova community for them. I know we have all been so excited to finally see this man 
get onto campus. And that is what he is. He is a man at six foot seven, 230 pounds from Archbishop Spalding, named both the 2022 Gatorade Maryland Boys Basketball Player of the Year, as well as a McDonald's All-American where he showed out in that All-American game, the most outstanding player at the FIBA U18 World Championships as well. As I said, this is the most heralded freshman for Villanova to come in since Jalen Brunson, and there have been some good ones that have come in down the line. Um, Cam Whitmore adds so much pop to Villanova's wing arsenal as well, already adding him to, say, a Brandon Slater and a Jordan Longino. He, when he does get back from that thumb injury, which will keep him out the early part of the season, we don't know how long it's going to keep him out early. He's being reevaluated actually over the next week or so. The hope is that he doesn't miss too much, but with Villanova there's never an exact timeline that yeah. comes out but we're when fuzzy he, already uh, as always um but when he does come back I fully expect him to be into that starting lineup already because the talent is just so undeniable I think he's got the intangibles from what I've seen and watching plenty of highlights and I saw a ton of them this summer at the FIBA World Championships as well to really fit into this program and how they like to lay their foundation on defense with that athleticism Cam Whitmore is going to be able to put on an absolute show this year. He is, there is a reason he is the Big East fresh preseason freshman of the year. It would be a major disappointment if he does not come away with it at the end of this season. And uh, I think you can tell from the excitement in my voice, I cannot wait to watch this guy take the floor. Yeah. I, yeah. This is the most excited you've got. You've gotten about a guy in a long time that I can remember. <laughs> my, my primary question is just whether he can live up to these expectations and it's interesting, we talked about how much is going to change under Neptune. If recruiting will continue to, if Villanova recruiting will t- continue to rise higher up, higher and higher in the rankings, because it's been a while since a highly regarded prospect such as Whitmore, who's so explosive in his own right, decided to go to a school like Villanova that is so unselfish in its DNA. It's I a big wonder deal. yeah, I wonder how he will transition and adjust to this program where yes, he will be the guy. I, I do think it will be a highlight real season. I think he can live up to the expectations and I think his style of play is different than a lot of Nova scorers have had in the past few years because he wants to get to the who to the hoop. His shot is really, really pure and fun to watch, but he wants to drive and go to the basket. And that's different. And that's great. But I don't think he will be the guy as opposed to Slater and Daniels. They still get the fifth year respect that they deserve. So I'm really curious if there will be any, I think growing pains is the best word. If there will be any growing pains for Whitmore just transitioning from the man myth legend to another cog in the Villanova machine. Do you think there will be any, any issues there? I'm sure there will, but the talent is undeniable with, yeah. with Whitmore and being that I think he's going to have the potential to be a, a main part of this form. And this is why I think things are going to change a little bit for Villanova. Of course, you know, with, with Neptune coming in, Whitmore is a big reason for why I think things are going to change because he's going to allow for a focal point to be on a freshman. Uh, which Mm. would be very cool to watch. And just one more note, depending on the publication that you're reading, I've seen Cam Whitmore ranked anywhere from third to seventh in mock draft so far. So uh, if you'd like to see Cam Whitmore in a Villanova jersey, please go out to Wells Fargo or Finneran this year (laughs) because I'm not sure you're going to have an option to see him next year. And that's how we felt about JRE towards the end of his uh, sophomore year, right? 
Yeah, it was pretty clear he was going to go. He was, I mean, he was dominating that second year. And and I agree with you. Nobody has him later than 10 in next year's NBA draft. That's already a really strong class of players. So I totally agree with you. You mentioned the injury off the top. That is obviously the biggest disappointment to start the season. He will not be fully healthy. He had that surgery. We don't really have any answers that anybody else also doesn't have. Um, You just wonder if he can be fully healthy to start because I don't think they will play him until he is 100%, but similar to Slater last year, we want to get the glimpses we get of him want to be sustained throughout the whole year. I don't want them to rush him back, him not be his full self, mm-hmm. and then us not be able to see the full potential. I hope they wait until he's fully healthy. He can be ready to go, not restrained at all, and we get the full impact of what he can bring. I would love the best case scenario where, say, he misses the first week of the season and then debuts at Michigan State, and we just had to oh my God. there. Can but you imagine? That, that would be wild, but um, I think it's probably safer to expect some sort of December return around conference play. But hey, we'll see, because as we know, Villanova's Fort Knox when it comes to injury information, so very difficult to speculate. Yeah, I do think after the first game, hopefully we'll get a little bit more clarity, but we will see. Let's those, so those are the three three freshmen. Really, really exciting. I again can't believe we've talked this much about freshmen since what Jerry and, and more probably. So mm-hmm. very excited. You should be just as excited as you probably are as you're listening to this. Let's transition, Pat. Who you got next? Let's go redshirt freshman then in Angelo Brizzy. So four years of eligibility left for Angelo. Uh, noticeable physical development in him from year one for year two. I remember watching him in the blue and white scrimmage from a year ago and just thinking, I see a little bit of talent there, but the body is just not ready to be in, in the Big East, which it made a ton of sense for him to redshirt. He has clearly made strides there. I think a lot of us have been really impressed by the athleticism we've seen Mm. him showcase, whether it was last year, whether it was this year through Hoops Mania in the blue and white scrimmage. Also in that blue and white scrimmage, he led his team in scoring in two out of three games, which I'm not sure a lot of people expected. The question here that I look at for him is it's in my mind going to be a position battle with Chris Archdiakono for minutes of of kind of that primary ball handler coming off the bench and maybe even Brizzy has a shot to, to crack the starting rotation from time to time, you know, who wins that out and does Brizzy have more of a track, just understanding the athleticism that he can bring. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We've gotten into our first question. (laughs) We've gotten into our first question. Uh, He was MVP of the Blue and White scrimmage. And... You can watch those highlights on YouTube, which is what I did. And you're right. He looks really, really confident. Well, he plays with his head up now. He's able to facilitate. And he's also able to score at will. I thought it was really, really impressive. He looks like a much stronger dude than he was last year. And he's able to play a little bit of bully ball, which, again, you didn't see any of last year. We've mentioned the lack of a um, understudy to Colin Gillespie that 
he was to Jalen Brunson as he was to Ryan Arch and so on. Brizzy might be that guy. He's he's kind of still in the woodworks right now with that redshirt year. He stayed under the radar. This might be the year that he breaks onto the scene. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right up front because I don't think it's even worth keeping it to myself because you mentioned up you mentioned the name Chris Arch. I think it's actually going to be more between Brizzy and Armstrong than it is that than than Brizzy or Arch or Armstrong or Arch. Yeah. Interesting. I would rather it be between Brizzy and Arch because as we will talk about when we get to him, we've seen what Chris Archdiakono can do um, over the years while Brizzy brings a lot more potential uh, in Mm. my mind. So I would love to see Brizzy get some extended minutes here for us to really see how he, you know, holds up throughout uh, these first games and what will be intense games, you know, going against the big five. And then of course we know some of the the out of conference opponents here. I am excited for Angelo Brizzy and I would like to see him get some minutes here. We've already mentioned it a multitude of times as Villanova looks for guys that can be primary ball handlers while they wait for Justin Moore to return. Brizzy fits that bill. So I do think we're going to see him out there. Also never hurts. He's a lefty guard shot, which is fun and just brings me back to Mm -hmm. Jalen Brunson. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, this is a question that I would just be, that I have been actually dying to ask Neptune if his utilization of Arch would have been different from Jay's utilization. Oh, I think we'll find that out. And that's a question (laughs) we will ask when we get to him. Yeah, because again, it's it's the age old question at this point, even though Chris has only been in the program for four years, do you rely on the dependability that arch brings he won't turn the ball over he also won't sink a lot of threes he won't drive in the paint that much or do you lean into the potential as you mentioned of brizzy or armstrong knowing that they can bring a little bit of pop with them and actually it wouldn't be the end of the world just to set the scene here it wouldn't be the end of the world if one of those guys comes off the bench and can be you mentioned microwave which i absolutely loved on last episode can be a microwave off the bench because that can bring just as much impact and we know that arch can start and also not play more than eight minutes but i i i i hope that the potential will win out this year I'm saying it. I hope that the potential wins out, even though I wouldn't be surprised if Arch starts on night one. I really hope that Breezy can solidify himself as being able to take care of the ball and offensively he comes along strong enough where Neptune doesn't have a choice but to start him. Uh, potential is the is the key word here, uh, but also yeah. question mark. And so we can transition to another player then that is a little bit of a question mark, I think, from what we've seen so far, and that's Trey Patterson. Now a sophomore, though it is year 2.5 for him, as he did come in at the beginning of 2021 for that spring semester and enrolled early uh, from Rutgers prep. I don't think it's unfair to say it was a disappointing 21-22 for Trey Patterson, a year that I believe a lot of us felt he would have more of an impact understanding that he already had that first semester under his belt and getting acclimated with the program. He did feature in 16 games, but in those 16 games, he only racked up 64 minutes, um, a career high of five points against Butler uh, in one of the games from a year ago. Maybe most interestingly, he is now number three as Brandon (laughs) Slater changed his number, which still blows my mind that a graduate senior has changed his number, but Hey, Slate went for it and opened it up for Trey. Uh, My big question for him is just, how does he progress on the defensive side of the ball? Because that is why he did not play last year from watching him 
it was a struggle for him to be in the right position. He has the athletic tools and the size to be able to be a good defender, but something about the system just wasn't clicking. And because of that, Jay didn't put him out there. He didn't feel comfortable having him be out there to, to guard, guard the uh, position. So I'm interested to see if he comes along a little further there so he can feature in the rotation. Yeah, I think there, I think questions have unfortunately defined Trey Patterson's short Villanova career so far. And while they have been warranted, you hope he has just been a sponge and Mm -hmm. this will finally be the year where everything he has taken in, starting from that unfortunately shortened COVID semester that he came in, but through last year, you hope that it will show up and he will be able to keep up because he was defense. He was lost defensively last year, as you mentioned. And on the offensive side, he, his build is so unique and it's so it will be so fun to watch him play because of how the big East is structured with the big men, but also the hybrid forwards, which I think he fits nicely under that he can be a weapon offensively. It's just whether he has the confidence to do that, which he hasn't showed so far. So I agree with you. I'm just under the assumption right now where I'm not expecting a lot from Trey Patterson until he comes out and show us that he has taken the leap, which a lot of players I think this year will do. So Mm -hmm. I have hopes that he will, but you're right. Defense is the first step for him. And and you would assume that that was a major priority this summer. He's another one I'm watching in terms of minutes, just understanding what he's up against there. As you kind of look at that front court and you say a Brandon Slater, you know, we talk about Cam Whitmore coming in. Jordan Longino can, can be out there on the wing. You know, it's where does he break it? If he can really take say the four, as I know Villanova plays a lot of positionless basketball, but we'll say the four just for position terms and, and, you know, make that his own and really add because he is one of the bigger players on the team. I think that could be an avenue, but you add in Anana and Joku that I expect to see more of. It's just there there are a lot of guys around that position. So I, I wonder if Patterson or how much of Patterson we will see if he is not showing the progression that we need to see on the defensive side. Yeah, it's funny. I actually think Trey is either listed as the tallest or the second tallest. He's right. I would six eight. The six eight sound? Yeah. 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 Potentially six eight, six nine. So it's interesting. Um and we can switch to Nana and Joker right now too. I'm actually thinking if, if like gun to my head right now, I'm thinking Trey Patterson will actually see more time than Njoku will. Oh, I have it on flip side. I, uh, I believe in Nana this year. I, I think we're going to okay. see a little bit of Njoku, which I, I'm excited about. He never really got going with injuries yeah, that's the, and dehydration yeah. that's and concussion. It, he, he never had a chance to establish himself. And that's something that was so key under Jay Wright is you need to be able to get a steady run of practice time in to be able to prove yourself, to be able to then factor into the rotation. And that never really happened for Nana, which gave him on and off. But if you look at him and think of the potential that can go in there, he featured in nine games from a year ago. Um, He is six foot nine and listed at 260 pounds. The man is a house. Um, And I think he has the potential to spell Eric Dixon a little bit. I don't think you're going to see Njoku for like 15 or 20 minutes a game, but I do think he can factor into the rotation here. And then my favorite tweet of the preseason so far was when John Rothstein visited Villanova and said Nana Njoku was spotting up from three and hitting them. How many do I think we're going to see this year? (laughs) Probably not too many, but interesting to see that he has most certainly been working on that and trying to add it into his game. But hey, if if you thought Eric Dixon was going to be shooting almost 50% from three last year, you should have 
got a lottery to give too. You so, thought he was so going to take a shot against Ohio State in the Sweet 16 <laughs> from three to knock him out at the beginning of the year? Props to you because I sure as hell didn't. Right. So I, I agree with you. I think it's easier to slot Nana in just because he is that. He is maybe the most prototypical position player on this Villanova roster. He can play with the Kalkbrenners and the Crosswells and the Sorianos of this league. I have no doubt about it. Physical physicality in the forefront. He can step up with those guys. It was just a shame that you're right. He never got his feet underneath him with the myriad of uh, injuries and things that he had to leave the team for at, at multiple times. I believe he lost a family member. So he just wasn't able to get any consistency and routine underneath him. So you hope that this summer he locked himself in, worked with Shafit, got himself into really excellent conditioning. And you're right. I, I think if he is he is able to spell Dixon, that could be huge. Again, I'm just going to wait until he comes out for the first time and is able to keep up offensively and defensively. Because I, you mentioned it, I do believe the tempo will be a little bit quicker this year, and that's going to make it a little bit harder for these young guys to make impacts right away because they were already a little bit lost last year in one of the slowest tempo programs mm-hmm. in the country. A lot of potential, I think, is the yeah. theme you're getting, especially from these younger players, where there is a lot of excitement and a lot of question around how will they grow into their role. But you can tell that the at least the size, the tools, they're there, and it's how can they harness them. And I, I think yeah. Donna and Joku is a good example of that. Uh, then moving into the sophomore that we did see more than the others that can that did make a bit of an impact last year, and that is Jordan Longino. And, and how I would summarize Jordan Longino from a year ago, it wasn't flashy in year one. I don't think we saw, you know, game-breaking potential or game-breaking things happen in year one. But what he did do was he displayed the instincts that demonstrates that he just gets it and is going to be a a really key part of this program moving forward. Defensively, I think you saw him really start to gain Jay Wright's trust toward the end of the season, and it really stunk that he had the knee injury that kept him out of the NCAA tournament because it did feel like he was growing into his own. I think you were starting to see him develop a little more offensively toward the end of the season. I believe he poured in 10 points against Butler uh, in uh, towards the end of the regular season there. Jordan Longino is a player that, again, we talk about, he has all the physical to- tools, so much athleticism, has the ability to really stamp himself as one of the better defenders on this team. I want to see how the offensive side of the ball grows with him because we know he can do it defensively. Oh yeah. How much run is he going to get? How much run is he going to get? I do think he is a starter. I think he'll slot into that quote unquote three wing role. Probably the most polarizing player at Villanova last year. Would you say Pat? There was the most buzz around him last year, not polarizing in and of itself. In and of polarizing himself, as people obviously. wanted to see him on the floor more. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because of the decision-making around him. You're right, nothing incredibly flashy, but I think you could also picture a few plays in your mind where you thought, oh, wow, there's there's something there when, Lin- when Longino doesn't have the leash on him anymore. And I don't think the leash will be on another really unfortunate injury, as you mentioned. I think he gets extended play. I think he has grown on the defensive side of the ball. And he'll be relied upon. Justin Moore has talked a lot about it at uh, Villanova Media Day and Big East Media Day. 
about how much of a leap these sophomores have taken and how differently from last year they'll need to contribute. Jordan Longino, it, it isn't really a, a question mark here. He will be a starter and he will be relied upon to contribute immediately. So it's, it's, it's a shift. It's a hundred percent a shift for sure to see him come into this role and contribute right away. I'm a Longino believer. And uh, I think we're going to see a strong showing out of him this year with that kind of plethora of wings. He fits in very nicely. And I I really like what, what Villanova's done building up that arsenal of wings. Um, And and I think it's going to give them a lot of versatility as they look for matchups, depending on the opponent. Yeah. And there's, there's been a theme so far and it'll only get better when we talk about the older players too, but this team is really athletic. They can be really explosive offensively. They can hold their own defensively. And I like that theme because I think it makes the offense multifaceted. You'll see that tempo rise. You'll see them have different schemes on offense and defense to try and mix up opposing teams. And, And I like that a lot. I think it gives them a new side of what their potential can be. You talk about offensively talented players. We can go to one that is very offensively talented or that we saw from a year ago, and that is Eric Dixon, now a redshirt junior. The progression that we saw from Eric Dixon or that we've all seen from Eric Dixon from when he came in here, when he had to redshirt to really work on his conditioning and try and learn some of the schemes here from Nova to what he turned into last season, and I think what a lot of people are expecting this season has been just (laughs) <laughs> to simplify things really cool to watch and, and just awesome for Eric, his best game of the season last year, without a doubt was against UConn where he played phenomenally against Adama Sonogo and poured in 24 points. I only expect Eric Dixon to grow as a big mm. part of this Villanova offense. I think we saw it down the stretch and there were certain games where Nova felt very comfortable just getting him the ball. The big thing for me with Eric Dixon is that the scouting report can get a little simple on him offensively where he very much favors that left side and you can shade him that way and try and take that away from him. So I want to see if his offensive arsenal has really expanded to find some different ways to score in the post. Yeah, he needs a large jump there. And again, he being multifaceted, he does have the ability to shoot threes. Yes, he does. (laughs) We love that. I don't think it's fair to say that he was the MVP of last year's team because you had Gillespie and Moore who were who were so lethal offensively but you can say without a doubt that Villanova would not have gotten as far as they did without Eric Dixon and he surprised every single person who watched last year maybe besides his, his parents his dad I, I believe is a listener so if you're listening Mr. Dixon we didn't expect it but oh my god we appreciated it and you expect to see another jump this year it's the year of the big we've said it multiple times now is he strong enough to hold down the paint and be a force defensively against the bigs in this conference but also versatile enough to score on the other end footwork was a big deal for Dixon last year he got a lot better as the year went on can he add another dimension to his game and be versatile and flexible enough where he can have different angles to try and mix up opposing defenders. I I think you nailed it on the head. That'll be the big thing to watch. And it also will be fun to watch Dixon adjust to a leadership role, which is something that he really didn't have to deal with last year. And another thing people were talking about at the big, uh, at the blue and white scrimmage was how vocal Dixon was. And you can see him growing into that role. And I think that's really, really cool. 
And does he shoot more threes this year, which will be very interesting. Only 35 attempted from a year ago and he connected on 17 of them, which is 49%. So yeah, it's absurd. Yeah. His efficiency was crazy. So the question is, does he expand on that? even for yeah I, ha- I have a i have a question for you as we segue into the shooters now and the older guys are there enough good shooters around dixon to make him a threat down low when justin moore comes back yes they're going to need some some of the younger guys to develop into strong shooters i mean slater i think we've seen progression and knows that when he's healthy he can knock those down caleb daniels i think is going to be a very strong scorer for them longino has to develop a little bit more of a three-point shot and that's where it brings in say an armstrong a brizzy maybe a, an avenue for a housing to come in to add that extra dimension um from mm. deep the other option here is that villanova just doesn't rely as heavily on shooting this year oh i don't know if you're gonna see that so i i would not expect that yeah, we'll see, though. I mean, and I think there's a lot of guys that can make their way around the paint more than last year. But I agree with you. The, the shooters around Dixon, Dixon have to be able to make that shot because he was as lethal as he was last year when that was able to happen, when he can make his own shot down low and be able to kick it whenever necessary for Gillespie or Samuels or more to be able to nail one of those shots. That's when the Villanova machine is is grooving as quickly as it does. Definitely. We can move then into one of our aforementioned players here. Now a senior, Chris Archidiacono from Langhorn, PA. Um, Archidiacono, much has been said, kind of debating his, what he brings for Villanova here. A year ago, averaged 1.6 points aboard and six assists. We Or 0.6 assists, excuse me. Six assists would have been really interesting. Whoa. Yeah, my bad. Um, you know, the, the question here around Archidiacono is how do things shift with Kyle Neptune coming in, understanding that the rest of that coaching staff is still the same. We knew that Jay Wright trusted him because he did, he featured in 35 games. He averaged about 10 minutes a game from those. He brings that steady hand as, as Emma referenced earlier, where, you know, he's not going to turn the ball over. He never really has, but the deficiencies they're there. And we understand what they are. So the, the question for me is how does that role shift with a new coach coming in, or is he still going to be a guy that gets around, you know, 10 minutes a game or potentially expands being a senior? Yeah. I don't have a ton more to add here. I think that's the big thing. I mentioned that I think Brizzy will probably get more minutes than him down the stretch of the season, maybe not to start, but I, to give Arch credit, I, I think the shot will probably continue to get better and better. And it's just going to be about whether that trust is just so inherent from Neptune that it's going to earn him minutes or Rizzi and Armstrong just looks so good offensively that he doesn't have a choice but to play them more. I am also on your page that I would like to see the younger players play over him. Uh, just, yeah. just understanding the potential and the more pop that they could produce here. Um, and maybe even be more sure, more sure defensively as well with some added athleticism there. So uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to follow. Chris's minutes, I think Chris is going to be really important for, on a leadership perspective. I think he yes, does give them a guy that has the potential to handle the ball if they need one, which is important for this squad, especially early on. But as the season grows on, um, I, I think a reduced role means that Villanova's firing on all cylinders. Yeah, and, and just to say this, it that did happen last year. Arch's minutes went down significantly when Jay started to trust Longino more and give him more time. It was just in the tournament when Longino got hurt that Arch got back to playing more minutes. So 
it's just about whether that starts right away or if it takes more time going into this upcoming season. Yeah, for sure. We want to go into more now? Yeah, we can get into Justin Moore. Uh, it's so difficult to shoehorn Justin Moore, just not understanding, you know, when exactly he's going to come back and the type yeah. of player that he's going to be when he does come back. Just knowing that this is a torn Achilles, this is a very serious injury. Of course, it was heartbreaking for everyone involved uh, when it did happen at the end of the Houston game. He is Villanova's best player when he's out on the floor. And on, in all honesty, if he finished last season healthy and came into this season healthy. I think he most certainly could be the biggest player of the year. Oh yeah. I, I feel the same way. It's just, it's so difficult to frame it here. I, I know Villanova has kind of put out there. The hope is that he'll be able to come back in late December, early January. That still feels early to me yeah. coming off a torn Achilles and basically April, you know, late March. So we shall see for him, but I know we're all pulling to see Justin on the floor and and really hope that he can factor into the second half of the season. Yeah, it's funny because usually Villanova keeps their cards so close to the vest when it comes to injuries. And to give more such a concrete return time, obviously concrete is a relative word here, but to even put a date and a time to it surprised me because like you mentioned, Achilles is such a difficult injury to rehab from. And I think Justin Moore's future is so bright and important that it would be they're they're hundred percent not going to rush him back if he's not fully ready. So we'll see from talking to him and hearing everything he said, he seems pretty confident that rehab is going exceptionally well. And maybe that's why he's just on an accelerated recovery path for some reason or the other. So it would be great if he's able to contribute in in conference play. I do think the breaks need to be tapped just a little bit because it it would be unrealistic to expect Justin Moore to be the 2021 version of himself early on. When I, yeah, I think that's very fair. But uh, it, it once he comes back, if he comes back, I think it's still something that, that can be mentioned too. Um, that's when you can really evaluate this Villanova team for their potential right. in March. It is that's the other thing. Added to the rotation. Unknowns is such a theme of this season. It would be less unknown if Justin Moore was fully healthy to start this season. So he was the minutes leader last year. He averaged 15 points. He's a really solid rebounder. He can facilitate the ball on offense. I hope that field goal shooting percentage continues to rise. And it did last year. Same with the three-point shooting. And we can just see another layer to his game because I think he almost certainly exercises that fifth year going into next season, unless something crazy happens and he declares for the draft. I think it'll all depend on his recovery as well and how strong he looks when he returns. Mm -hmm. Someone that has another or plenty of layers to his game is now graduate student Brandon Slater, who we did mention has changed his number to 34, which is really going to take some time to get used to for Slate. But Slater, I think coming off of a, a really nice season as a senior, his progression, again, another guy we talk about the Villanova development where he came in, was really a, a defense first guy, but didn't show too much on the offensive side of the ball, has really progressed to where last year he was dangerous and he had showed the ability to score. Of course, his season kind of went into a bit of a tailspin when he injured that ankle, something that he never complained about and never made a big deal about and 
didn't really miss any time other than scaling back mm-hmm. minutes. He almost he almost wish he did. Yeah. Exactly. And just went out there every single night on what was most certainly a very hobbled ankle and competed for Villanova night after night, which I think was incredibly impressive here. You hope just for a full season of health from Brandon Slater. Plenty was made over the fact he raised his free throw percentage by over 20 points, oh, yeah. or almost 30 points, and went from 60% to 88% on the season. Of course, hit the big foul shots against St. John's. We know he's been developing a three-point shot and has felt more comfortable taking them as well. Brandon Slater is going to be one of the leaders of this team. I think Brandon Slater is poised to continue to increase his numbers and increase that scoring load for him as well. And Slater's got the opportunity. Again, you talk about no one being on the Big East first team from Villanova, Slater's got a shot to get onto that team. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I, he is the elder statesman. I actually think not even one of, I think he is the leader of this he team. Is. And that's, that's not a knock to Dale, Daniels or Moore or Dixon. I think Slater is just the guy. Uh, I am pegging him as the X factor of this team. And I know a lot of people don't like that term, but I just want to talk about beginning of Slater's season and, and, recall that optimism and excitement we had about him last year when he had 17 points in the season opener against Mount St. Mary's 10 at UCLA 23 points versus Howard 14 versus Tennessee 16 at Penn that's in the first five or six games of the season the issue is health for Slater because we saw him return to that explosive type of play towards the end of the season for him and whether this again is a good thing or a bad thing he was so tough through that injury that it actually cost him play i remember i don't remember what type of the what part of the season it might have been around thanksgiving or christmas pat but we mentioned that it actually might be beneficial if slater sat for a game it was january when he got hurt yeah we never ended up doing he never ended up doing that so You expect and hope that Slater is 100% healthy this year, that he can go back to the glimpses we saw at the beginning and end of the season where he can be clutched down the stretch, he can create his own shot, he can sink that three from deep. I also think he needs to take another step offensively to reach the ceiling of what he can be as a leader and as potentially a top two or three leading scorer on this Mm -hmm. team. Actually, if Moore's gone, he's probably top two with Daniels and Slater. You just wait for Cam Whitmore to get back. But no, no, no. I, I, oh, yeah. I, he's he's certainly go, going to be up there for it. And we haven't even mentioned that he is Villanova's best defender. Um, he's, yeah. going, he's going to lock down whoever Neptune needs to put him on. And I'm just looking forward to some more highlight plays like the block against UConn in the Big East. Oh, yeah. Now. Just yeah. insane. He can I, I love so me some Brandon Slater good. and uh, yeah. cannot wait to see him progress here again. Yeah, I can't believe it took us this long into the episode to talk about the free throw shooting. I hope that's another priority this year because that was so fun to watch. And it makes me, I don't know why I feel like I can take credit for it, but it is so cool to tell people that Villanova set the record for free throw shooting. That's insane. The Not sure they're going to continue at that, at that pace this year, but I would still expect a good free throw shooting team. Right? Yeah, even if it's not the record, even if it's above 75%, that is pretty good from the free throw line. Absolutely. And then, yeah. I'm surprised you ended with Daniels. I wasn't sure if you were going to go with Daniels or Slater here. No, let's go with Caleb Daniels to finish out. And why I go with Caleb Daniels to finish out is because his role is the one that I'm so interested in. Just understanding that I wonder if this turns into a bit of a throwback 
Tatooine. Oh, I was gonna go. Was, I was gonna it, go this exact exactly path. Yep. with things changing as much as they are with Villanova, with Gillespie, with Samuels going out, with a lot of that scoring load now changing. I think Caleb Daniels is going to be the one with the ball in his hands the most this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only started three games from a year ago. I expect him to be a nailed on starter all season this year at Tulane, the final year he spent there, he averaged 17 points a game. And that was as a sophomore. We know that he's only, you know, really expanded and and developed his game since then. I think Caleb Daniels is going to be a big part of the primary ball handling early on here for Villanova. It's something he's done in the past. It's not, he's been more of a two guard, but I believe he's got the abilities to really showcase that he can be a lead guard as well. And when the ball needs to go in the basket this year, it's been Colin Gillespie the last couple seasons. I think Caleb Daniels is going to be your go-to guy. Interesting. Yeah, I, I it, we're just waiting to see if he can hit that shot as consistently as Colin hit it as mm-hmm. the go-to guy. Yeah, it's that's literally exactly where I was going to go on Daniels. He has had such a wild college career because he was the offensive stud at Tulane. Then he transitioned to Villanova where he was the behind the scenes star he was the sixth man off the bench but sixth man last year was almost an insulting way to put it because he was the sixth starter he played just as many if not more minutes than a lot of the players on that squad last year he was absolutely essential to their success and I agree with you I think he will now have to go back to that offensive reliability that he had at Tulane which is just so wild for the trajectory of his college career I'm not fully confident that he can hit the go-to shot. And I think that will be something that he will grow into. He probably won't have to make the shot in the majority of these non-conference games. Maybe as we get into some of the invitationals and the big 12 matchups and so forth. So he'll have a little bit of time to grow into it, but he will be filling up the stat sheet in my mind more consistently than any other player on the roster. I believe Daniels will have the most onus on him offensively to get it done. It's potential for a very big year out of him. Yeah. Um, While I think Brandon Slater is going to be the emotional leader of this team, Caleb Daniels is going to be the leader out there on the floor of this team. Um, And he's still got, he's still got it emotionally too. Oh, I I love Caleb's personality. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm excited to see what he can do here and rounding things out. Of course, we must mention Colin O'Toole, who is also on the roster, um, being elevated onto the the roster this year from Ryan New York. Go Garnets! Wow, love it. Kevin right. O'Toole's still on there too. I mean, I mean, you sorry, Colin O'Toole, Kevin Voigt, right? No, he's gone now. Oh, he's gone. Mm-hmm. He played in the scrimmage, didn't he? Uh, yes, I believe he's on the coaching staff, but oh, that's okay. because he's Villanova was yes, Villanova was very shorthanded for the scrimmage <laughs> so they, they i mean in the uh for hoops mania chris jenkins and daniel Chefu played so um. hey wouldn't mind them coming back this year we can oh, use some shooting right to mention too caleb daniels did have a broken nose this off season everything i've heard is that he'll be ready to go but just wanted to mention that right off the top i, I, I hope we see some of the mask but i don't know if that will happen oh mask again yeah we'll, we'll see yeah. So let's thrive with the mask. Certainly. You, let's do starting five prediction for Monday night, and then we'll move into the questions as we wrap up here. Okay, I'll go with the the uh, certains first. We've got Daniel, Dan, Daniels, Slater, Dixon, yep. Jordan Longino. <sighs> I, I, 80-20, I'm going to go. Chris Arch, 
will be the point guard to start, but I think there's a 20% chance it's Angela Brissy. Interesting. I am. So I've got the the four guys that you do in Slater, Dixon, Daniels. And I do think Longino goes out there uh, to at the beginning of the season. I think Mark Armstrong's got a chance to. to no start way. I, I do. I do. Really? I think he might be the first true freshman to start since Robinson Earl and Moore did. Uh, oh a couple my years goodness. ago. I will not be shocked, nor will I be upset if Angelo Brizzi is starting at point guard. If Chris Archdiakono is starting at point guard, I won't be thrilled. Um, but I think the minutes distribution will, it, it'll be closer to no matter who is starting um, between all those guards. But uh, I'm very interested to see who gets that fifth spot. Oh my God, I'm floored. You just said that. Wow, I love it. I yeah, think Mark I, mean, Ar- I I wasn't kidding when I said really buy stock in Mark Armstrong. Yeah. Who do you think is the sixth man this year? Sixth man? Ugh, that, it, it's tough because the rotation is going to change um, through injuries, but who I would imagine is going to get a ton of minutes off the bench. I said my hope is that it's not Chris Archidiakono, so I would like yeah. to see Angelo Brizzy get a ton of minutes. I'm interested to see how the rotation shifts once Cam Whitmore comes back. I wonder if, say, like a Jordan Longino may lose his starting spot and then yeah. Longino moves to that sixth starter, which I actually think fits him very well in year two. So that's what I would proactively like to see once people start to get back. I was just going to say the same thing. If Whitmore was starting, I think he gets the spot over Longino and Longino is the sixth man. Yeah, that's yep, exactly that's what, what I, I want to see. Yep, yeah. yep. So we'll go with that. Yeah, it's that that hole at the point will be so interesting. It'll be all about it's gonna be a lot of pressure on these guys too. I I'm in the camp of uh I like the competition. We were in a little bit of a quarterback camp here. I had the baseball references on Tuesday. I'm moving to the NFL today. Quarterback camp, who's gonna run the point? Will the competition of having Brizzy and Armstrong breathing down Arch's back, will that help him? Or will Armstrong, the young guy, come out there and and shock the world a little bit in Jay Wright's first year out of the program Kyle Neptune starts Mark Armstrong at the point the four-star freshman can you imagine that storyline he would be starting out hot I love it I'm speaking it into existence so might as well give it a shot but speaking of speaking things into existence we do have questions from our listeners that we would love to go through here as we round out the Thursday episode we can start things off with Bryce asking, saying, I don't want this to happen, but might this be the year a big five title leaves the main line? I don't think so. But we mentioned in the schedule episode, I think Temple will have a strong team this year. I think you Penn can give them some issues, can give Villanova some issues just because they do have a little bit of hype in the Ivy League. But I think Villanova is able to lock again, lock it down again. I, I feel the same way in that I, I do think Big Five will stay with Villanova just with the talent up and down that roster. However, Temple is certainly going to give them a good shot next Friday night. Yeah, I agree. Question from John Paul May here, and it's an interesting one. Um, for a guy who's retired, Jay appears to be at just about every event. Should he take a further step away from the program? And then he threw in just for you, Emma. I hear Coach Neptune will wear a suit <laughs> at the first game, so we can start that suit talk up week one. Again. I don't know. I actually heard that he wouldn't be wearing a suit, so I wonder who has the correct sources here. I, I'm curious. What I, a big you know, reveal I, it'll be on Monday night. Yeah, I, I don't participate in the suit conversation, but you can take <laughs> the uh, the J question because I my answer bleeds into another one on this list, so I don't want to spoil it yet. I think it's a, actually a really tricky question because at 
at the same time, or at one point, I think it's great that Jay is still around the program. It adds in even further stability. We know that he's involved for it. But you also have to think about it from Kyle's perspective where, Mm. you know, the guy that was the guy is still there kind of over your shoulder. And you can't be yourself with him still in the wings. No. And at a point, I would really like this to become Kyle's program um, to, to fully be able to run, which is everything that Villanova said it is Kyle's program. However, it's kind of hard to avoid the elephant in the room when Jay writes around it. So I'm interested to see how his role saying how his role progresses throughout the years is I don't know if that's a stretch for for Jay Wright but you know how involved he is I I don't think you're going to see him at games for example I think that'll take you know to say too much attention away Um, but it's something that I want to allow where I want Kyle to have the opportunity to really grow with this program and mold it the way he does and for that he's got to be the main guy totally agree all right two questions coming in how long is the bench once Justin Caleb and Cam return you can't see me, but I'm counting on my fingers right now as I look <laughs> at the roster. Um, I'll take out Justin Moore just as we start and Whitmore as we start. I think we can real. I think Nova can realistically go eight strong with the potential for nine to ten. Wow, we feel very similar. I think you will definitely see eight with potential for nine. Yeah, yeah, and then I mean that that becomes then what. 10 with the potential for 11 when Justin and Cam come back. That's pretty wild. Yeah, I just, I don't think you'll see 10 or 11. Maybe you'll see yeah. 10, but I don't think you would see get 10 past that exactly. Um, another question from Art. Is this the year that Njoku and Dixon play together? Yeah, we, we talked about this a decent amount. I don't have, I don't have too much more to say. Um, I think your expectations for Njoku or potentially your, your promise for Njoku was a little bit higher than I will. I just think Dixon will be such a force that you'll see his minutes be so high that it'll be less of a playing together and more than just a spelling out of Dixon when he needs a breather in less important games. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it as much of a partnership as more as Njoku can fill some of those minutes when Eric's got to go to the bench um, and kind of give them something different and more of that prototypical uh, big man underneath the basket. Yep. Question coming in from Jack McCall. Who do you think will be the leader of this team until Justin returns? Yeah, I think it's Slater, but I think you can't underrate Daleb. Uh, I always love the Daleb Daniels. I love Daleb yeah. Daniels. Yeah, you can't underrate Daniels's effect emotionally, physically on the floor. I actually really like the way you put it. Slater will be the vocal voice, and Daniels will be the one filling up the stat sheet. That's how I'm going to put it for now. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And question coming in from Matt. Uh, he says, I feel the ceiling is high for this team. Do you think if everything falls right, it could be an Elite Eight season? Mm. That's kind of a, we, we have one more question, but this is actually a really good sentiment to end on. I, you go first and I'll follow up. I think there's a lot of excitement, again, around the potential of some of these young guys. You bring in a Cam Whitmore, you bring in a Mark Armstrong. How is Angelo Brizzy going to, to factor into things Jordan Longino's in year two? I still think it's very hard for us to look at the team with that high expectations, understanding that it is a new regime. It is a new Mm -hmm. era. There is no Colin Gillespie. There is no Jay Wright. I think a successful year for Villanova is if they can get to the second weekend and that would be a sweet sweet 16 birth. I, I do. I think it is far from a guarantee that Villanova is around for a sweet 16, but if they are able to get there, I think it would be very difficult 
for us to look back on this season and say it was not a success. Now, there's plenty of potential that if it if they all channel it, if they all harness it and find a way to, to use it in the most efficient way, you can see Villanova going on a run with a lot of the talent that is around there. However, I just, I can't set expectations that high with this many unknowns. Yeah, the, the question I keep going back to is we didn't think last year's team could be an Elite Eight team, right? And they ended up being a Final Four team. So on paper, last year's team was better off this year's team might have more potential, but you can't expect everything to go just as smoothly, just as smoothly as you just said. So I agree with you. I feel like the second weekend is a really, really good good goal, and that would be seen as a success in the first year with any program. Again, Hubert Davis set that bar way too high with the Yes, that is not year. the norm. Well, let's, no. let's go with that. And then yeah. last question from Mike Town, Emma. What is your favorite Villanova relevant line or track? From Mike, you know how much I love this question. Thank you so much. I have thought long and hard. I have searched through the Midnight's album plus the 3 a.m. songs. And Pat, I hope you know that there was a 3 a.m. I have no idea what you're referring to. Oh, my God. You go for it. Okay. Uh, There's a 3 a.m. edition. So basically Taylor came out with 13 songs at midnight, however many Fridays ago. And then at 3 a.m. on that night, she released seven more songs. So Iconic. No, I was not the fan that stayed up till 3 a.m. No, I was not that insane. But I am going to pick a song from the original 13-song album. And it's called Mastermind. And the lyric that really stuck out to me, actually very similar to what you just said about Jay Wright, and this is why I didn't answer John Palmer's question. This is the lyric. I laid the groundwork and then just like clockwork, the dominoes cascaded in a line. Wow. Do I even need to say anything else? I don't think you need to. <laughs> Jay Wright laid the groundwork and we're going to see how the dominoes fall in Kyle Neptune's favor. Bam. And that Mike is why drop. we ended on that question. So thank uh, you, Mike. Perfect. No, <laughs> that, that filled it greatly, but sweet player previews done team preview done. And we are on to Monday night. Next time you hear for us, we will have the first recap of the season. Can't even believe I'm saying it. We're already right back into the action. If it snuck up on you, like it snuck up on us, don't feel like you're crazy because we felt the same way. But we are, we're, we're coming in already and we're so excited for Monday night and for the episode on Tuesday. Absolutely. I will be there on Monday night. Oh, and, nice. Uh, very nice. excited to, uh, to welcome in the coach Neptune era, but you know, thank you to everyone for listening to us this week. New and old listeners, welcome back. Welcome to Villanova Basketball. We are almost here. We know there were a little longer episodes this week, but this is our more preview content. So wanted to bring you as much as possible. And we'll get back at it, as Emma said, on Tuesday. But that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by BU Hoops. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Spotify. Everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Monday night. Hope you can make it out to the Fennerin Pavilion. We will talk to you on Tuesday. And Nova Nation, go.